It's the eve of the winter solstice. What better way to mark this point in the calendar than by listening to the words of some of the greatest poets of this season, from Wendell Berry to Moya Cannon to Patrick Kavanagh. And joining me is poet herself, Anna Wiley, who has selected a few of her favourites, which I suppose speak to this particular time of year. Um, is winter, uh, uh, has it a hold, does it hold a particular attraction for poets, do you think, Enda? Um, hi there, Sean. Yeah, it's great to be here on the eve of the winter solstice, as you just said. Yeah, I think the darkness coming in, approaching the going into ourselves. I think poets love this time of the year because it's kind of a realm of reflection. They're imagining. And I think also this it's kind of a magical time of the year and the boundaries between this and the other world, if we believe in that, mm. are thinning. I think poets do love it. They, they do love to write about this season. So it's and, great and, to be here tonight celebrating uh, some uh, of them. Exactly that. And in the very first poem that you've chosen for us, we, we are not going to wrap everything up in sugar coating here in a big Christmas pudding feel of it. You, there's, there's, there's no fear to embrace the dark side, certainly in the case of this first poem. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, To Know the Dark by Wendell Berry. It's a beautiful poem. And it wisely says, I think, that the darkness can bloom and sing. So if you're up for it, Sean, I'll read it for you now. Please, yeah. Uh, okay, so To Know the Dark by Wendell Berry. To, know, to go in the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight. And find that the dark too blooms and sings and is travelled by dark feet and dark wings. Do you know the dark uh, by, by Wendell Berry? He's in his 90s now, and uh, It's amazing, isn't it? And I say he's still singing away. Beautiful poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, another short poem, that it reminded me a bit of it, is Moya Cannon's Apples and Fire, which it, it really reminds us of the blessings of winter. And it's a short, tiny little poem, and it's gleaming because there are apples on the table. They're gleaming. There's the winter stove. I really love it. So... Um, will I read it? Yes, let's hear that. Okay, so Apples and Fire by Moya Cannon. And just to say as well, her, I, fa- I found this poem in her collected poems, which is just out this year, mm. and it's a, it would make a fantastic Christmas gift as well. So here we go. Apples and Fire by Moya Cannon. As we entered the dark winter room, there, shining on the table, were apples, gathered in haste last September, each one a small lamp. Later, as the stove's fire carved into the cold, I began to understand why fire is worshipped. To share heat in winter, sweetness in winter, is to know blessing. That's a a lovely poem, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Apples on Fire from Moya Cannon, uh, the the second of Enda Wiley's choice for us this evening. And as you said, uh, and uh, that's from Moya's collected poem. She spoke to us about that collection earlier in the year. I was expecting in this Wallace Stevens poem that that you chose for us, (laughs) I thought, oh yeah, we're going to be walking in the air at some point during this poem. It's very different, (laughs) despite the uh, the fact that the title Snowman is, or in the Snowman is the title of the poem. I know. Isn't it strange? It's called The Snowman by Wallace Stevens and there is no snowman in it. But, um, you know, I suppose, Sean, there is no right or wrong way of reading a poem. But when I read this poem, I think it's kind of mysterious. It's, it's, it's almost like a riddle. I think that really what Wallace Stevens is saying is that we have to shrug off our kind of humanness and we have to become snow and we have to put aside all our kind of human feelings about snow and the misery of the cold and the wind and just enjoy it and become the snow. Um, so I, I'll read that poem for you then, Sean, if you like, The Snowman by Wallace Stevens. Go ahead. One must have a mind of winter 
to regard the frost and the boughs of the pine trees crusted with snow and have been cold a long time to behold the junipers shagged with ice, the spruces rough in the distant glitter of the January sun and not to think of any misery in the sound of the wind, in the sound of a few leaves, which is the sound of the land full of the same wind that is blowing in the same bare place for the listener who listens in the snow and nothing himself beholds, nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. And Wiley there with her uh, for the third choice uh, for us on this eve of the winter solstice. And Enda has been going through her own poetry collections, her own choice of poems with the uh, poems that have a particular significance around this time of year. I suppose one of the things that uh, that we really think about around Christmas and people feel all kinds of pressure to come up with gifts and do all that type of thing. And there can be terrible financial uh, pressure on people. And it really struck me how this is handled in the in the next poem you have for us, Enda, from the American poet Robert Hayden. Robert Hayden. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is a beautiful poem. Uh, Robert Hayden was born in 1913, just to give you a sense of when this poem was written. And I think it creates a really lovely sense of 1920s. He's a young boy. He's thinking of the kindness of his father getting up early in the morning to light the fire. And it's it's wintry, it's blue, black, cold. It's there's beautiful details in this this poem. And it's called Those Winter Sundays by Robert Hayden. Sundays too, my father got up early and put his clothes on in the blue-black cold. Then with cracked hands that ached from labour in the weekday weather, made banked fires blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering breaking. When the rooms were warm, he'd call and slowly I would rise and dress, fearing the chronic angers of that house, speaking indifferently to him who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well. What did I know? What did I know of love's austere and lonely offices? It really is a beautiful evocation of, of, of the father there, uh, obviously of the poet Robert Hayden. He, he grew up Hayden in, in a ghetto in, in Detroit, often named as Paradise Valley. So clearly the father gave what love he could in the way he could. It, and, and the way he does it in that poem is beautiful. I was speaking to somebody actually earlier today who was talking about typing up a PhD uh, thesis for somebody on climate change. But it was a few oh, decades. Right. It was a few decades ago that they <laughs> typed up this particular uh, PhD thesis, I believe. Right. And she was saying to yeah. me, "It's it's amazing how now a lot of the things that uh, her husband was speaking about a few decades ago are coming to pass." That is what's in this yeah. poem from Gillian Clark. Yeah, that's right, Joe. And actually, her poem Glacier that I'm going to read now that was published way back in 2008. So she was really ahead of her time. She's a poet who always responds passionately to climate issues and ecological themes are always prevalent in her work. So this this poem is very interesting because poems, I think, can often have many things going on. And so she is describing um, the, the kind of threat and destruction of the Arctic ice sheet. But she's also going back in time to 1966 and the Welsh Aberfam disaster, you know, when um, a slag heap, I think it was a mountain of about 150,000 tonnes of colliery waste collapsed on mm. a school there. So, um, but yet, even though the poem is, is describing this disaster, I think really it's quite hopeful because she's saying that we have to believe in nature. Um, and it's, it's again a, a beautiful poem. So I'll read it for you. It's called Glacier by Gillian Clark. The miles deep Greenland glaciers lost its grip 
sliding nine miles a year towards the sea on its own meltwater. As 40 years ago, the slag heap, loosened by a slip of rain-swollen mountain stream, suddenly gave with a roar, taking a primary school, crushing the children. The century of waste has burnt a hole in the sky over the pole. Oh, science, with your tricks and alchemies, chain the glacier with sun and wind and tide, rebuild the gates of ice, halt, melt and slide, freeze the seas, stay the flow and the flux for footfall of polar bear and arctic fox. Beautiful. It's almost like a prayer in some ways, that poem from Gillian Clark, uh, Welsh poet, uh, the poem called Glacier. I, I love that idea, oh, science with your tricks and alchemies. I suppose we could give science a helping hand, though, along the way as the human race, couldn't we? Yeah, and, uh, yeah that's absolutely true. I mean, it's amazing in 13 lines. She's packed so much into that poem, but it's a real favourite of mine. So it's lovely to read it there. Now, um, I didn't think we'd be getting into a debate about what constitutes a month of winter? Uh, you can you can explain you can explain why a February evening came into your mind for this particular choice. I know. Well, I just felt, Sean, we're all cooped up, and this is a brilliant poem set in New York by Denise Leveratov. And I suppose I was wishfully thinking that I could be there, but it is it is a winter poem, mm. even though she's calling it February evening. So uh, the first line does have the word winter in it. So I <laughs> I think I'm justified in reading it tonight. Fair she enough. Has, if you, she has um she has as a poet, I think her voice is so clear, it's uncluttered. And I love the noise and the energy of this poem. We're in New York and it's a wintry it's a wintry time. So I'll read it for you. Um February evening in New York by Denise Leverchoff. As the stores close, a winter light opens air to iris blue, glint of frost through the smoke, grains of mica, salt of the sidewalk. As the buildings close, released autonomous feet pattern the streets in hurry and stroll. Balloon heads drift and dive above them. The bodies aren't really there. As the lights brighten, as the sky darkens, a woman with crooked heels says to another woman while they step along at a fair pace, you know, I'm telling you, what I love best is life. I love life. Even if I ever get to be old and wheezy or limp, you know, limping along, I'm still out of hearing. To the multiple disordered tones of gears changing, a dance to the compass points out, four-way river, prospect of sky wedged into avenues, left at the ends of streets, west sky, east sky, more life tonight a range of open time at Winder's outskirts. And that's the poem February Evening in New York by Denise Levertov, another of the choices of Enda Wiley ahead of tomorrow's uh, winter solstice. Is, is winter time, is it a, a, a productive time for you in terms of writing? And is it something that you, is it a season where you write or is it a season that you either look back to or forward to when you're writing about it? Yeah, I think I, I actually do love winter. I love the darkness, as I said earlier on, and coming into yourself and, you know, maybe lighting a fire and getting reading, because I think reading always comes first for me. And from that comes the inspiration to write. So, yeah, I do love it. I do love it. Mm. I think this it's a season of hope as well. It's like one year is going out and another is coming in. Um, and I think we have to write in hope in these times. And actually, I don't know if you want me to read this poem by Sheslau Miwash, but he, he was a poet who spoke about you know, like illuminating the world with poetry. Mm. And I think that's 
the weather season, I think, where light will come and there will be hope, which is good. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's hear that poem then. Encounter is the title. We drove before dawn through frozen fields. The red wing was rising, yet still the night. And suddenly a hare shot across our path. One of us pointed to it with his hand. That was long ago and both are dead. The hare and the man who stretched his arm. Oh, my love, where are they? Where do they lead? The flash of a hand, the line of movement, the swishing icy ground. I ask not in sorrow, but in contemplation. That's the poetry. Shishlaf Milosh there and the poem Encounter chosen for us by Ando Wiley. Now, far be it from me to get through the seven <laughs> poems so that we could get to Patrick Kavner last, but by no means least. I, I suppose a Christmas childhood, I, I think for many Irish people, this poem really just creates Christmas. It creates winter, really, Enda. Oh, I think so. It's just a magical reimagining of the poet's childhood in County Monaghan, which I, I know it's a place you love. <laughs> but I just love the details of this poem, the father playing the melody and the mother milking the cows. You're right there. Uh, and I just think it's so beautiful. The light of the stable lamp as a star, the frost of Bethlehem. It really is absolutely beautiful. And it's it's he's speaking with the wonder of a child in this poem, which is extraordinary. And, uh, you know, he's saying I was six Christmases of age. And he says, the last lines are so beautiful. I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the Virgin Mary's blouse. So mm. it's a poem that I love to read at this time of the year. Do you, do you go back to him at this time of the year, Sean? I was certainly this poem is one that I kind of, I have to read on Christmas. I do it on Christmas Eve. I have to read it for myself because it, yeah. just, it just kind of recreates <laughs> that whole atmosphere. Maybe you'd, maybe you'd finish by, by reading A Christmas Childhood by Patrick Havner for us, Enda. Okay, so will I read it all or will I do it to just like a section? I, no, I, 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 I wouldn't dare to edit Patrick Kavanagh, so let's read it all. <laughs> I know, very naughty of me. Okay, so here I go. A Christmas Childhood by Patrick Kavanagh. One side of the potato pits was white with frost. How wonderful that was, how wonderful. And when we put our ears to the paling post, the music that came out was magical. The light between the ricks of hay and straw was a hole in heaven's gable. An apple tree with its December glinting fruit we saw. Oh, you, Eve, were the world that tempted me to eat the knowledge that grew in clay and death the germ within it. Now and then I can remember something of the gay garden that was childhood's. Again, the tracks of cattle to a drinking place, a green stone lying sideways in a ditch, or any common sight, the transfigured face of a beauty that the world did not touch. My father played the melodeon outside at our gate. There were stars in the morning east and they danced to his music. Across the wild bogs his melodeon called to Lennons and Callans. As I pulled on my trousers in a hurry, I knew some strange thing had happened. Outside in the cowhouse, my mother made the music of milking. The light of her stable lamp was a star, and the frost of Bethlehem made it twinkle. A water hen screeched in the bog. Mass-going feet crunched the wafer ice on the potholes. Somebody wistfully twisted the bellows wheel. My child poet picked out the letters on the grey stone. In silver, the wonder of a Christmas townland, the winking glitter of a frosty dawn. 
Cassiopeia was over Cassidy's hanging hill. I looked, and three whin bushes rode across the horizon, the three wise kings. And old man passing said, can't he make it talk, the melodeon? I hid in the doorway and tightened the belt of my box-pleated coat. I nicked six nicks on the doorpost with my penknife's big blade. There was a little one for cutting tobacco, and I was six Christmases of age. My father played the melodeon, my mother milked the cows, and I had a prayer like a white rose pinned on the Virgin Mary's blouse. Beautiful indeed. Thanks so much for that and and for choosing those uh, winter poems for us and enjoy the winter solstice and and the season that's on the way to us. Thanks, Enda. Happy Christmas. Bye. And to you, Enda. Thank you. That's uh, Enda Wiley there. And in fact, and obviously in the midst of that Patrick Cavanagh poem, we get the, the words of Frosty Dawn. And you may remember that on Friday night, we were speaking to Sonny Condell and Philip King of Scullion about a Frosty Dawn, the planned series of concerts at the Pepper Canister Church. Unfortunately, they had their gig last night, but it, the season has to be postponed because of the latest COVID directive from the government. The keynotes will play just one date. That's uh, Tuesday, the 21st of December at an earlier time, 5 p.m. But uh, other events have been cancelled uh, and there are uh, processes in tow for uh, purchase uh, purchases being valid for the new dates or fully refundable. You can go to the website frosty uh, frosty uh, frostydon.ie will give you all of the details on that.